All right, good morning, Rock Bible Church. It's good to be with you this morning. I will say it gives me joy on this, uh, this morning of Advent where we celebrate joy. And uh, I've been thinking about this idea of joy and, and how we can value the source of joy. And we have an opportunity to continue in uh, our series looking at the, Chris, the gifts of Christmas. Uh, this morning we were looking at frankincense. Last week we looked at gold and what, why are they significant and is there joy in them? Were they meant to bring joy to us? They were, actually. And we could see that, uh, and we will this morning. And, um, I wanna, but I want us to make sure that we start on the right foot uh, because uh, joy exists in life. You can enjoy a lot of things, relationship, work, fulfillment, maybe an accomplishment. Uh, You can enjoy maybe your kid coming home from the military. You can enjoy coming home from the military yourself. I got a niece that just came back from the military. and uh, There's so many things that we can experience and enjoy. The problem is, is they're all temporal. They come for a bit. And then they leave. And I know some of you, you might say, well, that's the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is temporal, joy is, is long-lasting. And I don't want to get into that this morning. I want to talk about the idea that joy, it can be temporal and it can be long-lasting. And how do we get everlasting joy added to all these other things that we experience? Uh, because we've been doing a uh, relationship with, with the Lord and we've been doing Uh, joyful things our whole life. But God does a few things to bring everlasting to our joy. In fact, we get a little of that in creation, uh, but what we really really get everlasting joy for is partway through the, the story, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, let me show you the everlasting part of joy. And we get it at Christmas. And so that's what we want to look at. And we're going to enjoy that this morning. We're going to be uh, in Exodus chapter 30. We're going to look again at Matthew chapter 2, which is uh, what we looked at uh, last week. And we'll continue to look because that's where we get the story of of the wise men um, and their three gifts. Uh, And then we're going to also be in uh, Leviticus. And I want to show you some things about frankincense. And can frankincense give us joy? Most of us don't even know what frankincense is. We're going to find out this morning. It's going to be fun. Let's pray, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump in both feet. Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for our chance to have communication from you. Thanks for the stories that you've given us and what we can take from them, understand. And Lord, thank you that you're the author of all of it and that you can provide short-term joy, maybe a little happiness, but you also can provide and have everlasting joy. And so, Lord, uh, I pray this morning that as we look at this story and, and the first Christmas, that it, it would help us understand you, Lord, and understand that story. But I pray, Lord, it would ultimately would help us understand ourselves within it. Where's our place? Like, how do we fit into it? And so, uh, Lord, we, we thank for the opportunity to worship and we pray, Lord, that you would guide it. 
So be with us as we look at this passage and uh, bless it. May it honor you and your son. And Lord, may your spirit be with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to remind you uh, of this, this one verse. It's at the top of your outline if you've downloaded it or pulled it up on the little link there that was prevented, uh, provided by Brent. But uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 is kind of the, the beginning of our outline, really. And it, and, it, and it says this, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They worshipped him. Right, that's that. That's that statement of purpose as to why the magi, why the wise men, why did they come? Well, they came for worship, right? And then open up their treasures. They gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we we shared that last week. We read the whole passage. We're going to look at a few pieces of that passage again this week. But I want to remind you before we get into Exodus. I know it's it's up there waiting for us to get into Exodus. But I want you to see in that one sentence where the gifts are given, the statement about worship. And, and I'm, I'm going to break with a little tradition at Rock Bible Church. This is the fastest fill-in we've ever done at Rock Bible Church, okay? The first fill-in is this. Uh, frankincense is for worship. Uh, when you have frankincense, it's used in worship. We're going to look at that in just a second. Exodus is going to clarify it for us uh, immensely. But know this, the wise men showed up, they gave this gift of frankincense, and they knew that it was used for worship. It was used for incense, it was used for sacrifice and offerings and all kinds of stuff. And I'm wondering if you can figure out how to take joy from the idea that they gave this one gift. How do you get joy out of the wise men giving frankincense? I mean, you weren't there. How could you enjoy it? There's no video. There was just one social media posting of it, right? And Matthew did. And how do, how do you enjoy that? Well, we understand the purpose of it. We understand the meaning behind it. And probably uh, what we can do is we can appreciate it even more than the wise men did. Because I, I believe half of what they did was unbeknownst to them. They were, they were doing what they wanted to do and they were supposed to do, but I believe half of it was uh, led by God and unknown to them. How much did they really know of Jewish culture and what frankincense was used for? And yet they show up for the purpose of worship and then they give a gift used for worship. Uh, that has to be significant. And we're going to see uh, worship is mentioned a couple times in the Matthew passage uh, but in order to understand uh, how frankincense is used for worship and is for worship, let's go back. Let's look at Exodus chapter 30. It's our kind of our first passage and our, our real passage for the morning. Um, but the Lord is talking to Moses, and, and we're, we're kind of in, in deep Exodus. We're 30 chapters in. Uh, so they've, they've left Egypt. And now we're towards the end of Exodus, and God's starting to give Moses instructions on, you know, here's how we're going to carry ourselves. Now that you're no longer slaves, now that we're going to be entering into the promised land, now that you're going to be my people and I've proven it to you, here's how I want you to carry yourself. Here's what I want you to do. And he's describing how they worship, what they do in the temple, what they don't do in the temple, avoid these things. Uh, pursue these other things. And so this is a big section on instructions, really, on how to live. 
And uh, most of this is for worship. And remember that in, in back in those days, worship, part of it was the, the idea of sacrifice. And, you know, we don't really have that anymore. We don't come to church and bring an animal and sacrifice it in offering for our sin or thanking God for something or just paying tribute to God uh, through some kind of sacrifice. Uh, the closest thing that we have to that is when we tithe. You know, we come in and we give a gift back to God because he's blessed us, and that's, that's close to it, but it's not a sacrifice of any kind of life or any kind of animal. Um, it's more like a grain offering or a monetary offering, like they, and they did that too. But they're talking about worship. And here's what the Lord says to Moses, uh, chapter 30, verse 34. Take sweet spices, stacked, onica, galbanum, now say those all three times fast, right? Sweet spices and pure frankincense. There we have it. Each shall there be an equal part. So we're going to take an equal measures of these, for those of you that are writing the recipe at home. Take equal parts of these and make an incense blended as by the perfumer. We're going to burn this stuff. We're going to make an aroma, a little smoke uh, scent out of it. Seasoned with salt, pure and holy. We're going to make and incense uh, for the temple, for worship when you're doing your sacrifice. And you shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting. And then watch this, where I shall meet with you. This should get your attention because God says, I'm gonna meet with you. And when I meet with you, bring it, bring frankincense. You're going to need it because we're going to meet. And here come the Magi bringing incense. And who are they meeting? There is symbolism there that you have to be able to see. I don't care who you are. So I'm going to meet with you there. And it shall be most holy for you. This is special. Holy means set apart for God or non-human kind of. And the incense, verse 37, that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourself. It said, make this, make it in equal parts, take it to the temple, you know, we're going to bless it with salt and the holy smoke, and we're going to put it before, and you're going to ground it fine, and this is what we're going to do. But don't make any for yourself. That's a warning right there. Don't make any for yourself. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. You know, there's something about what you do with frankincense when you mix it in equal parts with this other thing that God says that's for God only. Don't make it for yourself. Why? Because there's only one thing we worship. It's God. When you use frankincense in that way, it should only be presented to God. And here the magi, the wise men, show up and they present frankincense now, did they know that if they mixed it in this way that you should only give that to God when they gave just frankincense to the baby Jesus? I doubt it. Uh, really, it's not important whether they knew or not. We know, we get this story. God made sure that we got Matthew's version of what really happened, and he gave us the detail to make sure we understand the significance of what's going on here. That frankincense is for worship, and the wise men show up and give frankincense to Jesus that in some ways can only be used when it's used for God. 
What does that tell us about Jesus? He might be, he could be the object of worship. And if there's only one thing that we worship, and that's God, what are we saying about Jesus? Ooh, can we see how we might be stepping into the everlasting part of joy? We have creation and we have creator, but what if he stepped back and wasn't in relationship with us at all? Kind of set the rules and then stepped back and said, well, let's see how this plays out. You know, some people believe that's how God is. And I'm here to tell you this morning, they're wrong, period. God, we have at creation as the creator, setting things in motion and giving us all these temporal joys. Short term, you know, they, they fade out. But then also showing up, says, I will meet with you. I'm coming to you. He shows up on the scene. He says, let me show you my plans for you. I'm going to show you what's going to happen, what you have in store for future. I'm going to show you what everlasting looks like. And God shows up on the scene through Christ and says, we're going to start everlasting now. That's how we understand some joy out of frankincense when the, when the wise men give it to Jesus find Mary in, in the stable and the whole thing. Uh, what a great set of symbolism. Right? They could have given any gift to him, but they gave frankincense. Right? Don't make it for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. And then here's this little warning. Whoever makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. Ooh. Can't make this concoction equal parts the way they mixed it for worship. You cannot use that as your own perfume because you might confuse the people of who should be worshiped. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. We, we get a little sense of frankincense from this passage. And then when we go back to, to Matthew chapter 2, uh, let's make the argument for frankincense is for worship, right? Verse 2 of Matthew chapter 2, uh, the Magi say, we, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They, they proclaim their intent. They say why they're there. You know, it wasn't like, hey, somebody come by your house, knock on the door. Hey, I was just in the neighborhood. Thought I'd come in and say hi. No, they weren't just in the neighborhood. They knocked on the door and said, no, we have business here. What's the business? We're in the business of worship, and that's why we're here. And I, I think it's significant because they, they have a conversation with, um, uh, with Herod, and Herod's freaked out, right? He's the sitting king, and he's supposed to be in charge. Everybody thought he was in charge. And God says, no, I think someone else is in charge. But they come, they talk to Herod, and he says, hey, well, tell me where the kid is. I want to find him, too. But you remember what he actually says in that passage? It's verse 8 of Matthew chapter 2. He, he says, go search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word. Tell me where he is. And then here's the quote, that, you, that I too may come and worship him. Well, we know he's lying. Because he didn't want to worship him. We want him dead. But what did he say? He said, bring me word so that I too may come and what? worship him why would he say that it's significant he say he said it because he knew that's what was supposed to happen not that he was going to do it 
He had zero intention of worshiping, but he was dead clear. The enemy, the opposition was dead clear on what was supposed to happen with Jesus. We're supposed to worship him. I love that. Uh, and, and in Christianity and in scripture and in the church, we love to talk about all the things that we like in our traditions. And, and here's the thing, and we're, we're so guilty of this as Christians. We use our own arguments from people that we agree with to justify our own arguments with people that we agree with. It's like we don't take any information from the opposing side, from our enemies. And, and we just say, oh, we don't believe any of that. Well, you know, that, that's a horrible practice. One, you've, you've totally devalued your enemy and your opposition. But you've also, you've missed out on free information that's coming from that side. And we get free information from Herod, who wants him dead. He admits in that statement, he knew that Jesus was meant to be worshipped. He knew Jesus was seen as a king. Now, was Herod totally clear on what type of king Jesus was going to be or what real worship looked like? No. He was pretty clueless when it came to spiritual things. But he knew tradition. He knew what was said. He knew what the purpose was. I think we, even when the op opposing king knows what worship means and, and what it's meant for Christ, and then the wise men show up and give frankincense that's meant for worship to Jesus, I ask you this, step outside of any of those characters now, just look at the story as a whole and, and ask yourself the question, why would God want you to know this story that's soaked in worship? It's, it's really, it's dripping off, right? Watch uh, verse 11. Uh, verse 11 is the one that I gave you at the very beginning. It's the top of your outline, right? They, before they gave the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, it says, they fell down and worshiped him. I love that. Not just kneeled down, they fell down. Almost, it almost kind of implies like they couldn't control themselves. They just dropped to the ground and uncontrollably did the purpose of why Jesus was here. I wonder, I don't really wonder much, I just use it as a term to introduce the next thought. I wonder if the Magi actually understood worship of Christ much more than Herod. Do you taste the sarcasm in what I've just said? They knew exactly what worship was. They knew it was meant for Jesus, and Herod was clueless. Okay, brace yourselves, put on your protective gear, because here, I'm going to take a shot at you. Which of the two are you more like? You're more like the wise men, or you're more like Herod? Well, gee, Scott, that's an easy one. I'm more like the wise men. I mean, I like Jesus, and I like Christmas, and I like giving gifts, and I know he's supposed to be worshipped, and I know Jesus died on the cross for us, and I have all the Christian knees phrases down. Okay, great. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, the sitting king, Herod, knew what it meant to pursue his own stuff and would do that regardless of who God was. In fact, he was going to do it when it was convenient and he'll say he's going to worship when he's not going to. He does what's best for him when it's convenient for him, but he's willing to set Jesus off screen. 
wise men probably had a great reason for being important and maybe being worshipped in some way in their own culture and that they said, no, I think there's something greater going on here, something bigger than me. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to try to get closer to it. I want to see what the prophecy meant and is this really happening. To what extent are you following the Lord? It's a great question for our day and age because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on around us. Uh, and trust me, there's no more going on around us than there was going on around them back in those days. Different issues, different names. But humans have the same amount of capacity and the same number of things that they deal with. And they have relationships and jobs and they got to feed their families and blah, blah, blah. The question is, with all the stuff going on, which one are you more like? I'm going to push God aside until I'm ready for him or I need him, or I'm going to pursue him all the time in ways that don't make sense, in ways that I call faith. Folks, when you, when you pursue the Lord that way, that's when you start stepping in everlasting joy. And I, and I, mean, I want to make sure you understand that I said that that way on purpose, that you step into uh, everlasting joy. You, you ever stepped in something? Right? Isn't that the worst? You step in something, you're like, oh man, it's stringy, it's stuck to my, or it splashed, whatever it is, you splash it, right? Or maybe it uh, it stains something or it smells bad and you think to myself, what what just happened? How did I, how did this happen? You know, everlasting joy is kind of like that. It's like something you step into. Uh, and you step into everlasting joy when you wander into places where you might not pay, be paying attention to all the things you could, or you might be trying something or taking a leap of faith or believing that God's going to come through, and then he says, well, let me show you some joy. A joy beyond what you're used to. A new experience, a new level, right? I want to level up. You know, to use uh, gaming terminology for our, some of our younger people, right? I want to level up my, my joy. I don't even know what they call it. Status? Ranking? I, don't, I really am stepping out of my comfort zone. My kids say that I should start a video feed where a 50-year-old guy plays video game and see how, what kind of following we get because they think it would be hilarious to just mock me mercilessly. Um, okay, let's get back to worship now. Huh? Let's get off of that. Uh, where are we? Uh, frankincense is for worship. And we see that. We see that. Um, we see that in Exodus. We see that in uh, Matthew chapter 2. Uh, but then I want you to see that frankincense, number two, fill in uh, for you this morning. Frankincense is for sacrifice. Um, and we'll pull up that little fill in right there so you can fill that in. And then we're going to look at Leviticus. Uh, so we got Exodus that we just looked at. You know, it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus is a lot about law. Uh, in fact, they even call it Levitical law, right? So you got Genesis, everything's created, and you start this relationship with the Lord, and that relationship is kind of wandering, whatever. They find themselves in Egypt as slaves, and they kind of listened to God, and they kind of didn't. And then God takes them out. They exit Egypt and establishes them in the promised land. There's like 40 years and a full generation, a bunch of stories in there, right? And then they're finally established after creation and exiting their slavery. They get into Leviticus. Now, the Levites were one of the tribes, and they were the priests. They 
handled the temple. They did sacrifice, they did worship, and they were the only ones. You had to be from the tribe of Levi in order to do worship type stuff. And God in Leviticus gives them very specific instructions on, hey, Levites, here's how you're going to do worship, and here's what you're going to avoid. And we get into one of these passages, and I found this thing on frankincense. I think it's absolutely brilliant when we find out that frankincense was given to Jesus at his birth. Because probably most of Jewish culture knew this. Maybe the wise men did. Maybe the magi just happened to accidentally, or because God caused it, gave a gift that had significance beyond their own understanding. But the Jews would have totally understood. Understand it? (laughs) This is your pastor, folks. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, They would have totally understood that there were uses for frankincense and then there were limits. There were things you did not use it for. And, and we, we, we need to be intelligent as Christians. We've got to understand what we use and what we don't use and why on both sides. Right? We want to understand both sides of any discussion. Right? Because information is not a threat. Our culture thinks it is and our culture uses it as a tool and an instrument of destruction. But we should never be afraid. Right? That's why God says fear not. Because uh, information we should never be afraid of. We just know that we are smart about how we use information. Now, let's find out what is the information that we get uh, of, about frankincense, and could it play into everlasting joy in this story? I'm going to say yes. Now I'm going to prove it. Uh, this is Leviticus uh, chapter 5, verses uh, just 11 and 12. Uh, but if he cannot afford two turtle doves or two pigeons, oh, no. What if you can't afford Two birds. Well, you can't do a sacrifice. You can't do an offering. Uh, some people were poor. Uh, does God love poor people? Say yes. Okay. If you can't say yes, at least believe it in your heart and your mind. He says, you know what? For certain sacrifices, you're supposed to bring two turtle doves and two pigeons. Now, some of you won't be able to do it. So let me give you a way out or an alternative. This is what going, is going on here. Then he shall bring as his offering for the sin, uh uh-oh, what kind of sacrifice was it? What kind of offering? Was it an offering of worship? Say no. Was it an offering of sacrifice? Uh, No. Was it a burnt offering? A grain offering? No. It was a sin offering. It means there's something wrong. And you admit it. And you want to make restitution for it. You want to pay for it somehow. You want to get back into good standing. So this is a sin offering specifically. And we've got to understand it because that's where some of the significance is going to come from. Uh, as his sin offering that he has committed a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. It says, you're going to bring a little bit of flour. You can't afford the two birds, either one of them. That's fine. Bring this amount of flour. We're going to use that as your sin offering. He shall put no oil on it. Don't put oil on it. And watch this. And shall put no frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. It says, don't, don't you put oil or frankincense on a sin offering. In fact, oil and frankincense, if we had time and could look it up in other passages, oil and frankincense on on an offering generally meant it was a grain offering or a food offering. Grain. What do you make from grain? 
bread. Jesus said, my body is the bread of life. Interesting. Watch what it says, though. It says, don't put oil or frankincense on a sin offering. So we don't use frankincense for something that represents sin. If they gave frankincense to Jesus, it must mean symbolically he does not represent sin. Ooh, now we're stumbling into what was said about him by Paul later in the New Testament, right? He tempted in every way and yet without sin. It couldn't be sin if they gave him frankincense, right? Because you can't put oil and frankincense on Jesus. He's not a sin offering. Ooh, man, that's fun. Because now what that means is what he did on the cross was for more than just a sin offering, more than just to pay for our sin. There must be something more going on in who Christ is. It's a great little piece of symbolism. He shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take a handful of it as, uh, as its memorial portion and burn it on the altar, on the Lord's food offerings. It is a sin offering. They're going to put it out there with the food offerings, but we're not going to put it oil, with oil and frankincense, and we're going to offer it to the Lord. Man. See, frankincense was used for sacrifice, but not for all sacrifices. We use it for worship? Absolutely. We mix it with other stuff and we burn it as an incense and we use it for worship. But we also use it for sacrifice. Well, if we use it for sacrifice, why not all sacrifice? Because there's something about frankincense that you don't use with sin. And I love that because it negates sin in Jesus when you hand him frankincense. It says, yeah, we might be worshiping you and by the way, you might not have any sin. Now, the question at that point would have been, do the wise men know? Absolutely not. Did the Jews, did it make them think, what, what is going to go on with this little boy? Could this be the Messiah? We're supposed to have a king and a deliverer, a Messiah, a suzerain, they call it, a bunch of different phrases, and he's supposed to come and he's supposed to eliminate all these things. And we're going to worship him, and yet God says he slips in there probably the idea, yeah, maybe the king's going to be a little different than you understand. Maybe what he's going to do is he's going to reign over sin. He's going to reign over death. <gasps> little commercial for myrrh next week. Third gift. Yes, it's fascinating to me because we get, we get all this symbolism, and it, and it begs the question, why, why give this baby gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Why, why give him frankincense? If frankincense is only meant for worship, in certain instances, and then it's used for sacrifice sometimes and not other times, why give it to Jesus? And here, here's, here's what I, I beg you to get this morning. And it's your last fill-in. And for me, it's clear as day. Give it to us. Jesus became both. Both what? Both worship and sacrifice. Jesus became both so you don't have to be either. Bam, that should hit you. And just hopefully knock you over for the rest of your life. Because folks, we just stepped in everlasting joy and didn't know it. 
Did God bring us joy and happiness and through creation and relationships and work and fulfillment and all these things, taste and smell and all this stuff? Can you experience happiness? Absolutely. But everlasting joy and happiness comes when God shows up on the scene in Chris, at Christmas, the first one, and says, I'm going to show you what real worship is, and I'm going to show you who you're supposed to worship. And then I'm going to save you from sacrifice because I'm going to show you what real sacrifice looks like. <laughs> the good news, folks, you don't have to be sacrificed now. Ever. Never. That's called everlasting. Jesus became the sacrifice that you don't have to. Now, here's that. We don't, we're okay with that one. We love that one. Oh, wait, I don't have to bleed. I don't have to die. I, I don't need to be crucified, right? I make light of it, but you need not fear the Lord anymore in the end, ultimately. Because there's a shot for you. Because he was made sacrifice so that you don't have to be. Now, here's the part that hurts. He was also made worship so that you don't have to be. You don't have to be worshiped. Well, uh, wait a minute. That's, that's a little confused. What do you mean, Scott? What are you even getting at? Uh, you don't need to be God. You were never meant to be God. You will never be worshipped as if you were perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes. You can worship the right thing outside of yourself, namely God, and you can let that be worship. You can let Jesus be worshipped so that you don't have to get it right all the time and suffer the consequences and then not be able to handle sacrifice because you can't afford two birds. Do you get this? It's so amazing what what Christ and God and Matthew give to us in this story when these men show up and say, yeah, we got some gifts, but not just any gifts. We're going to put frankincense in there. And over time, we hope that you'll start to figure out, what does that mean? What's the truth behind it? Folks, we live in a day and an age where nobody's looking for the truth behind stuff. Understand the truth behind Christmas. Understand that we give gifts under trees with lights and candy. Right? You got to have candy for temporal joy. And it's meant to represent the fact that we got everlasting joy in the greatest gift and the gifts that he was given that were meant for him and not for us. I don't know. I'm thinking frankincense might be the best gift of Christmas. We'll see. Gold was pretty good last week. Next week, we're going to look into myrrh. Uh, but this morning, let me ask you a question. How are you worshiping in your everyday life? What are you sacrificing before the Lord? You don't have to sacrifice yourself, but what do you give back to God? You know, sometimes we give frankincense, sometimes we don't. That means there's some things we give to God, and then there's some things we don't put before God because we don't attribute that to Him. And how do we follow Him? In today's day and age, it's getting worse and more difficult and confusing. What is dedication to the one who should be worshipped and the one true sacrifice? What does worship of Him look like for you? 
Because uh, I'll tell you this, it's more than just memorizing the songs that Bryce and the team sing up here. It's more than just going to a church. You can watch from home or go to a church, and you can sing all the songs in person or at distance, and you can miss it. What's going on in here and what's going on in here that accentuates worship and accentuates the value of who Christ is and his sacrifice that will bring you on a path where you will regularly step into everlasting joy? That's the stuff I can't answer for you. I could tell you who Matthew is, and I can explain frankincense a little bit. But in your own journey, here's what no pastor can ever do for you. He can never figure out the specifics of your own journey, and that's the glory of our relationship with the Lord, is that you don't need a third person. You don't need a third party. You don't need an intermediary. You can have a direct relationship with the Lord. Do you, do you have that? You ever said, hey, a God, of the things that are most important to me, I'm going to set them before you. I accept you as Lord and Savior, and I accept your sacrifice. I'm telling you, folks, frankincense screams of Easter. And the ability you have to say, God, I want in. I want in with you. Have you made that decision? You can make it right now. Maybe you made that decision, but you got some smaller decisions you got to make because you've been eh, down the wrong path. Take a moment. I'm going to pray. Do some business with the Lord. Bring the band up. Lord, thanks for this morning. I pray that you would work on each of us and how we view worship and how we view sacrifice. And it brings us to the question, Lord, of what is right and what is wrong. And when we experience either, how do we respond? How do we act? What goes through our mind and our heart as to the meaning we put behind it, the truth behind it? I pray, Lord, all of it would turn to you. I thank you, Lord, that the greatest of worship belongs to you. And I thank you that the greatest of sacrifice belongs to you as well. I pray, Lord, you would help us to live in the middle in between those two and see what steps we should take what we should honor, what we should avoid. I pray, Lord, that you would do that for each of us in specific ways that help us experience the everlasting joy that you meant for us. And for those of you that are, are listening to this, what do you need to tell them? What do you need to ask them? What do you, what do you need forgiveness for? And for those of you who have never started talking to him, never started a relationship, are you ready to say, Lord, I want to accept you right now from this day forward? If you want help with any of those things, contact church. Love to meet with you. Love to talk with you. Virtual or in person. Let us help you. And Lord, we, we thank you for the, the ongoing gifts that keep us going and the ways you use the gold to build your kingdom. I pray that you would just bless the offering and those that can afford two birds and those that can't. That we might value both and everything in between. We pray this, Lord, in your son Jesus' name. Amen.